This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 through 33 is going to be our portion for this morning. First of all, let's ask God to help us. Lord, we do come to you like we always do, very needy, but you are very, very adequate for us this morning. Lord, you're adequate to teach us, and we rely on you that for now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 10, 2 verses 32, 33. Whosoever therefore shall confess me, or literally everyone therefore who shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which or who is in heaven. But whosoever or whoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which or who is in heaven or in the heavens. Now, so where we are right now, it's always good for us to get a good bearing for where we are now. We're right in the middle of him preparing his disciples for what they're going to face for what he called in verse 16, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. So he's told them that many, many things are going to happen to them. He's been very clear. He hasn't tried to hide from them this persecution they're going to face. And he tells them now in these two verses about the very worst response that they could have and the very best response that they can have in the face of this persecution. In these two verses, he's told them the worst response that they can have is what he calls a denial of him, and the best response that they can have is what he calls a confession of them. So in other words, he's telling in these two situations here that when this persecution, when they're really under the gun, comes in front of them, they're going to have an opportunity, a great opportunity, a very unique opportunity that's going to be theirs, and it's going to be an opportunity that's going to affect their eternity. And that uh, what he's really indicating here is that not only will earth be watching, 
for their response. But heaven's going to be watching, and hell's going to be watching as well, because there's going to be these three spotlights on people, the spotlights of heaven, the spotlights of earth, the spotlights of hell, where to see what is their decision, confess or deny the Lord. And he says that it's not just, as he says here, he's talking about before the Father, he's going to confess or deny them before the Father, but in Luke, it's a broader audience where it says in Luke 12, verse 8, Luke 12, verse 8, I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels, for the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So whatever is going to happen here, it's going to be heard not only by God the Father, by all the angels. Very unique opportunity here. The stage is set. Now, he says, he uses the word in verse 32, therefore, because this is the link back up to the persecution. Whosoever therefore shall confess me. No one has really said anything up until this point about confessing the Lord Jesus, but he's implying here that there's going to be a very easy way out of the persecution. All they have to do is just deny the Lord, and the persecution is going to be over. It's going to be finished, literally. But he's saying, don't do that. He's warning, don't do that. So he uses this word confess. Now, confess is very interesting because it's a word that means acknowledge. Acknowledge. In other words, it's an interesting word. It means to acknowledge just means to admit, admit the truth. I mean, it's uh, acknowledges like uh, a nod, for example. Yeah, this is true. Like being on the spot and admit the truth. So, for example, in John chapter 1, it's a great chapter because it lays out so many truths about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a truth that starts off right off the bat in John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. This is the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal, doesn't have a beginning. He always existed. John 1, 3 goes through and it says, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. That's a truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the creator. There's nothing seen, there's nothing unseen that he did not make. All the wonders of creation come from him, from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a truth in verse 4, John 1, 4, when it said, The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the truth that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is God, came to earth as a man. There's a truth in verse 29, in John 1, 29, it says, The next day Jesus the next day, John was walking. I mean, Jesus was walking. John saw him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. That's a truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is God's only sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. There's a truth that's contained in several verses in John 1. John 1.18, for example, it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Another verse, John 1, John the Baptist says, I knew him not, but that he was sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as him which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. In those two verses, we have identified persons in the Godhead. God the Father, 
only begotten of the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. This is the truth that the Godhead is made up of three persons, the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And there's the truth in John 1.41, he that findeth his own brother Simon saith unto him, we found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. That's the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So all these truths are laid out in John chapter 1. He's the eternal God. Jesus is the eternal God. He's the creator. He's God the Son along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He became a man. He's the Messiah. He came to earth. He's the only sacrifice to take away sins. Those are truths in the first chapter of John. So to confess the Lord Jesus Christ is to acknowledge that those statements are true. So as a matter of fact, right in the middle of John chapter 1 is very, very interesting because with all these truths that have been laid out in John chapter 1, it then uses a word, a very unique word, in the context of all these truths when it says in John 11 and 12, those two verses, it says, he came unto his own, and here's the word, his own received him not. And then it says in verse 12, but as many as did receive him, in other words, he came unto his own, Jewish people, general statement, the majority of the people did not receive him. But there were some that did. There were a few that did. They're called a remnant. There were, and they're referred to the as many, as many as did receive him. To them he gave him, the, those ones he gave the authority to become the sons of God. And it says they believe on his name. What does that mean to receive? And it's commonly thought that, well, receiving, that means you receive him as your Savior. But what does it mean in the context of the first chapter of John? It means to receive him as he is laid out in the first chapter of John. It, to believe on his name, it means that all of those things that we just said about him, you could give him a name, the name of the Eternal One, the name of the Creator, the name of the Lamb of God, the name of the Messiah, or the name of the Son. It's to believe in his name means to receive those truths, to acknowledge him. And that's what it means there. And that's why it all comes down to a confession, a confession of him as the eternal one, the creator, the God who became man, God the Son, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, which is where Paul is going in Romans 10, 9, when he says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So confess what? Confess him as the eternal one. Confess him as the creator. Confess him as, as God who became a man, as God the Son, as the Messiah, as the Lamb of God. All of this is tied up in this confession. But what he was saying here in verses 32 and 33 we're studying here is that there's a reciprocity is a reciprocal response on his part. Person who receives the Lord Jesus Christ, as he's described in John chapter 1, then the Lord Jesus receives him into heaven. Person who does not receive the Lord Jesus Christ, as laid out in John 1, then the Lord does not receive that person into heaven. Person who confesses that the Lord Jesus is, as he's described in John chapter 1, then the Lord confesses that that person is one of his own before the Father. person who denies that the Lord Jesus is as he is described, then he denies that he's not one of his own. 
So this is the, how it goes back and forth. Just like when a man of God came to a prophet named Eli in 2 Samuel 2.30 and rebuked Eli because he did not restrain his sons that were out of control, totally out of control. They were priests, and he didn't restrain them. And he said these words to him. He says in 1 Samuel 2.30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed unto thy house, and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and them that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You know, it's very easy. When you look at verses like this, verses 32 and 33, you look at verses like that, you say, oh, boy says that if I deny the Lord, he's going to deny me. Maybe I denied him once. What does that mean? It's not referring to a momentary denial. There may be a time when you didn't confess the Lord. Maybe a time when I didn't confess the Lord. But the confession and the denying here is not based on a one-time event. A confession of denying is based on a life of confession, a life of denying. For example, Judas Iscariot confessed the Lord Jesus. And Peter denied the Lord Jesus, but the Lord Jesus did not confess the confessing Judas, and the Lord Jesus did not denying Peter. Why? Because the confession of Judas was hypocritical, and the denial of Peter was a momentary weakness that was immediately followed by a deep repentance. Now, in verse 32, when it says, Whosoever therefore shall confess, what it literally reads there, it says, whosoever therefore shall confess in me. That's what's what it says. The Greek says that. It says, in me. In other words, the meaning is that a person confesses the Lord Jesus from being in Christ. That's a term the Bible uses to express this. In Christ expresses this vital union with Christ. The vital union. It's a term the Bible uses there. For example, it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature with old things passed away and all things are become new. So this is a confession in verse 32. It's not a confession from a person whose life is detached from Christ. It's a confession for, of, of a person whose life is fused with Christ. It's not a confession of persons. Well, yes, you know, I, I was taught that in catechism, and I, and I do believe that Jesus Christ is God. No, this is a confession for a person who's in Christ, who's saying, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is God, and I've made him the God of my life. Yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, and I've made him my Lamb of God to take my sin away. That's the confessions from a person who is at unity with Christ. In the face of persecution, it's not done by this by a person who says, I can do this. I can confess Christ. My own self-will, my own strength. It's not that at all. What it is is uh, coming from Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's done in Christ or through Christ. So this is a confession that John referred to in 1 John 4.15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, dwelleth in him, and he in God. This is what it means to be in Christ. God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Just like we heard earlier in the service before, our brother Ken quoted that verse where he talked about, this is the mystery, Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. Now, you know, I always appreciated this about Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim, which, you know, he was known as Pastor Jim because he was a pastor. So the Jewish people, we all go to San Diego, we went around visiting Jewish people, and they'd hear that he was a pastor, and right away, click, it would go into their mind, oh, yeah, he's a paid professional, a paid professional pastor. So we got to listen to him. Now, we don't have to listen to him, but he's going to talk like he's going to talk because he's a professional. And Jim would always say, I'm not telling you this because it's my profession. I'm telling you this because it's my confession. That's <laughs> the way he used to put it. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. Now, in order for us to understand why a person would deny the Lord Jesus Christ, it has to be looked at from the perspective of who he was giving this warning to. He was speaking to Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, after I, my story, I as a Jewish teenager, because I was a teenager, and 19 is still a teenager. I don't know if you knew that or not. Still has teen on the end of it. So I was a teenager, and I came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I was called, I learned very soon about this new Hebrew name, which I guess my life was not complete until I knew this name, which was Meshumad. Meshumad. So Meshumad, the old Jewish ladies used to call me Meshumad. They still do. Anyway, Meshumad is Hebrew. It means one that is destroyed, a person that is destroyed or a traitor or an apostate. So what the view was at that time, what the view is today among the Jewish people is that it's like a crime for a Jewish person to believe in Jesus. The name of Jesus evokes a, a, a strong response, a hatred in most of the Jewish people. You know, just this last week, I called my nefesh benefesh advisor, the soul to soul. I mean, the organization is called nefesh benefesh. Anyway, my advisor is Leah in Jerusalem, and she had the assignment from, she was assigned to me to get me my Israeli citizenship under Israel's law of return, the, the law of return that guarantees that every Jew has the right to become an Israeli citizen. So the law of return, it was enacted after World War II, and it made Israel the, was the, like the fulfillment of the Jewish state, Israel being a Jewish state, because there were countries during World War II that most countries denied Jews entry and made them feel as they were. They had no home. So the country of Israel said, there's got to be a place in the world, there's got to be a country in the world where Jews can freely be welcomed if this is their home, and, and Israel's a country. Okay, so I applied for for Israeli for Israel for citizenship based on the law of return. And Leah told me that, I called her last week, and I told her, you know, it's taken such a long time, over a year, it's only supposed to take six months, make a decision for the Ministry of Interior to make a decision. So I called her and asked about it. She says, yeah, it did take a long time. She said, so I decided to Google you. Uh-oh to see if maybe you were a Meyer Lansky or a Mickey Cohen or a, maybe you had some legal problems you were a criminal or something, you know. And maybe you're a Bugsy Siegel. I don't know. Anyway, so she Googles me and she told me, you know, there's a lot written about you online. I said, you're kidding. <laughs> she said, it looks like you changed your religion. And, you know, being a very compassionate psychiatrist, she said, would you like to lay down here on the couch and tell me about it? So I said, well, Leah, I said, you know, I found no reality in the synagogue. She goes, yes, I understand. I didn't find reality in the synagogue either. 
And I told her that I didn't have a religion. I said, I had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The minute I said that name, Jesus, everything in the conversation changed. And then she told me it's going to be very difficult for you to get citizenship. She told me the only way for you to get citizenship is to go to a synagogue, tell a rabbi that you renounce Jesus, and you're converting back to Judaism. Now, I don't know what it meant to convert back to Judaism because she has nothing to do with the synagogue, So, and she's a Jew, and so and I have nothing to do with the synagogue, just like her, but the only difference is Jesus. That's the only difference. So that meant that for me to become a Jew again simply meant that I had to renounce Jesus. Renounce him how? That he is as he's described in John chapter 1, the eternal one, the creator, the God who came to earth as a man, the Messiah, the only sacrifice to take away sins, all of those things. So then I decided to call the Jewish agency in, in Jerusalem itself, who's responsible for sending my application over the Ministry of Interior, and get a final decision. I said, fine. Yeah, if that's it, I'll get a final decision, then I'll be just close that chapter. And I spoke with Dahlia, and Dahlia asked me, what's your tie to Judaism? Well, you know, what I'm in, my tie to Judaism, I was born a Jew, I'm still a Jew, you know, last time I checked, anyway. And I found no reality in the synagogue. And then she asked me, what do you believe? So I told her, I said, I believe in Jesus. She said, as soon as I said the name Jesus, there was like a shot of fire came flashing over the phone there. Instantly, she said to me, Isn't, citizenship is not available to you. And that was the end of the conversation. Why? Because for a Jewish person to believe in Jesus is viewed in spirit like a crime. And that's why the Lord Jesus gives this strong warning in verses 32 and 33. This is the context that it has to be looked at. To understand, he's speaking to Jewish believers in him who are being sent out to the Jewish people who view what they've done as believing in Jesus as a crime. And so he's warning them, don't be ashamed. King David said in Psalm 119, verse 46, he said, I'll speak of your testimonies before kings and will not be ashamed. Paul said in this subject being ashamed, he said in Romans 1.16, Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And being ashamed of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus actually addressed this in Mark 8.38 when he says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his father with the holy angels. It's like the hymn puts it, Jesus, and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glories shine through endless days? Jesus, may this my glory be that he's not ashamed of me. The Lamb of God, my Savior slain, he washed me clean from sin's dark stain. So when the Lord Jesus says he's going to be ashamed of those who are ashamed of him. When the Lord Jesus says he's going to deny those who deny him, he's talking about the worst words that a person could ever hear. And those worst words are in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. We already saw them. That a person can ever hear is when the Lord Jesus looks at a person and says, I never knew you. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.